0: Father in the room, if you could stand so we could give you a round of applause. Yeah, stand. Dads. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that all you do. Um, I think that um, our culture um, really attacks fathers and dads. And makes us, um, it makes our job very difficult, makes us seem like you know, fathers don't know what they're doing, but um, I'm here to say um, we do, and I'm thankful for each father in this church that, that has stuck with it, that has um, been the best dad that they could be, and um, we all have stuff to work on, but I think we talk about the stuff that men need to work on more than we talk about the stuff that they actually do correctly. And there's a lot of stuff that fathers do correctly with their children, and um, there's only one perfect father, and he's in heaven. And so, thank you for all that you do. Appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> we are in Ephesians, and um, what I'm going to request of you to do is to hang with me until I get to the scripture, okay? Okay. Um, I'm I'm trying to make a point with with my introduction today, so don't don't raise the levels, just just stick with me. Everybody cool? Everybody cool? Okay. Here we go. All right? So the question is what unites the church? What does the church unite around? What does it unite behind? Is it mask or no mask? No. It doesn't. Does it unite around choosing which lives matter? No, absolutely not. We don't unite around that. Does it unite about, around choosing which medical expert to believe? Because there's a lot of them, and they have variant opinions, and it just, you know, continues and continues. Do we unite around that? No, absolutely not. Church doesn't unite around that. Do we unite around how to do ministry music, which Bible version, what should you wear to church? No, absolutely not. So what does the church unite behind? Well, it's Christ. Christ and Christ alone. Now, you, you might listen to that today, and you, I'm sure that we're all over the spectrum. Some of us understand that immediately, and we also realize in our understanding, we don't understand that. Because to say Christ is what the the church unites around is a simple answer, but it's very complex as well. It's complex because Christ is God. He's the creator. He's the one that created us all. So it's complex because of who he is, but at the same time, it, it's a simple answer. For some of us, we, we just may not get it at all. I mean, we know that that's right, but we're not sure why that should be right, and and we're not sure how that actually works. Because to be frank, frankly, it's easier to unite around a tangible object than it is to really unite around a spiritual object as Christ. Christ is a real man, that's not what I'm saying, but we unite around Christ. So what does that mean? What does it mean to unite around Christ? What does that mean? Um, I told this, I told this story on, on Wednesday evening, and I just want you to know this isn't an issue for me, good or bad, whatever, it's just not an issue for me, but on Wednesday evening, I told the story about, I went to Walgreens because I was going to get my hair cut, and, uh, Mark Ayers cuts my hair, he's been cutting it for years, love, love that guy, just absolutely love him, in the Lord. So, so um, on his answer machine, it says, when you come, you need to wear a mask. Why do your hair? It, it has that whole deal going on. So, I didn't have one. I didn't have a mask. And so, I stopped by Walgreens to pick up one on my way to get my hair cut because I want Mark to continue to be able to do business and make money. Okay? That's why I went. So, I went inside a Walgreens, and when I went inside, there was this lady waiting in line, and the moment I entered the room, she scoured at. I could only see this much of her, but I'm pretty intuitive that this, as she watches me walk across Walgreens, meant disapproval, meant disapproval. All the other people that were in, in there with their masculine, they, most of them were not even paying me any attention, but this woman had that, that eye on. Well, in Walgreens, at least the one in Louisville, they don't make anything easy to find. So I was looking for these masks, trying to figure out where they were. They're not out front. You would think they would be, but they're not. But um, so I asked one of the people that worked there where the mask was. And as soon as I said, where are your masks, instantly her demeanor changed. Her eyes went up and she was okay because obviously I was becoming one of the club. So I went and I, got my, and I got my mask and she was perfectly fine and she, she exited feeling better about me now that I was going to buy a mask for some reason, whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a level of hostility that our culture has produced. See, we have created a culture currently that if you do this, you don't care. If you don't do this, you don't care. Or you can flip it. If you do this, you care. If you don't do this, you care. We've created that culture. And anytime we start to base truth on other people's emotions and we start being emotional ourselves, is the moment, is the moment that we begin to build walls of hostility, walls of hostility. And so these walls are built and built and built up And then we are hostile toward each other. The more emotional that we get about a particular idea or a particular thing, the more emotional we get, the more we suppress the truth. Nicole will tell you and testify in church truthfully that when upset, I suppress the truth. It then becomes a wall of hostility that now you have to get over. I would also testify in church when she gets upset, he's right. I'm kidding. She's not. Um, (laughs) wall of hostility. Do you see what I just did? It's a wall of hostility. No, when she gets upset, the truth goes away, and all of a sudden we built this emotional wall between us that is very hostile. See, we do this in marriage relationships, we do this in family relationships, we do this in relationships on Facebook, on social media, we do this on relationships politically, we raise this level of hostility, the, these walls begin to go up and they're hostile walls and, and we're upset and we create this hostile wall and it creates a barrier between us and someone else. It is not good for relationships, it's just not good for relationships. So when we talk about the church uniting around Christ, Christ has a purpose. And part of that purpose has to do with these walls of hostility that you and I raise. So turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. begin reading with verse 13. And this is what it says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We're far away from God. We're brought near with the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and And has broken down in his flesh dividing the wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself a new man in place of the two, so making peace. He has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. What is Christ's purpose? Christ's purpose is to break down the wall of hostility. You could even say the walls of hostility. Let me show you this. We were hostile against God from the moment that we were born. We were hostile against each other. We were hostile against each other and we were hostile against God. It is your sin and my sin that caused hostility and a wall that divided your relationship and my relationship with God the Father. Jesus Christ came to break down that wall of hostility so that you, can, you and I can have peace with God. So our relationship with God would be one of peace and not judgment. It would be one of, of unity with God rather than uh, disharmony with God. He did that in order to create a new humanity. I had trouble saying that word in the first service, humanity, humanity. Didn't have trouble this week, but had trouble this morning. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might, get this, might create in himself one new man. That actual word there is is the word for humanity. One new humanity in place of the two. So making peace. It's making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Killing the hostility. Somebody has to step in and take care of the hostile nation of the world. The hostile, it's not nation, the hostile, what is the word? Good night. Nature, thank you. The hostile nature of the world. Somebody has to step in and do it. Somebody has to do that. Can humans take care of the hostile nation between hostile nation? I keep saying nation, nature between each other. So now we have humanity, right? And now we have, yeah, so it's just going to go downhill for her. <laughs> Somebody has to step in and take care of the hostile nature that we all have. Can men do it? Have you seen men try to do it? We have for years and years and years. And if you look in your history books, for years, mankind has tried to bring peace to the world and he just cannot do it. I don't care which side of the political spectrum you're on. I really, I really don't. It, it's really not important to me. But this is what I know. Politics hasn't brought peace. Humans have not figured out how to break down the walls of hostility permanently. There's only one person that has done that, and that is Jesus Christ. He's broke down the wall of hostility between us and him. He's brought down the walls of hostility between us and each other. You see, you and I are really good at building the walls of hostility. We're really good at getting upset and holding a grudge and continuing to build walls of hostility between us and someone else. Sometimes this happens in marriage. Sometimes this happens with, with your family, like with your immediate family, your sons, your daughters. Sometimes it happens either, even further, but we build up all these walls of hostility because we're upset and we build up these walls while Jesus Christ has come into the world to take those walls down. In this passage of scripture in verse 14, it says, for he himself, that's Jesus Christ, is our peace, who has made us both and has broken down in his flesh, dividing the wall of hostility by abolishing the law, commandments expressed, that he might create in himself a new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in our one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Christ's purpose is to kill hostility and bring in peace. It's to get rid of it. And any time you and I build walls of hostility toward each other is the moment that we are not aligning ourselves with the purposes of Jesus Christ. We're against that. Does this mean that we have to figure out how to agree with people that are sinning? Absolutely not. Sin is the problem. Sin is a wall of hostility. Sin is what Jesus Christ took care of on the cross. Sin, according to this passage of Scripture, is what Jesus' blood has done to bring us near to God. We were far off because of our sins, and now we're near to God because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has solved the problem of sin. So, so being... being um. Being something different than hostile has nothing to do with sin. It has everything to do with when our emotions create circumstances that should not be there. And we all have done it. We all have done it. If you are married, you have done it. Thank you. Thank you. This is wisdom. If you're married, you have done it. If you have a family, you have done it. If you have got upset at the news, you have done it. If you've got upset at something that you read on Facebook, you have done it. You've created walls of hostility. And Christ's purpose is to break down every single wall of hostility. Christ is the only road to unity and peace between you and God and you and people. He's the only road to get there. Look at verse 17. It says this. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to one spirit, to the Father, so that when you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. God is creating a new humanity And he's taking that new humanity, and while we are here on earth, he is building something. He's building something with it. And that building that he is building is called the church. It's called the church. So we unite behind Christ. He is creating a brand new humanity that doesn't have hostility and walls of hostility between people and relationships, and then he's building something in the world to be a representative of him, to represent that peace, to represent a non-hostile nature. And that is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is us. He's building it. So when the world, when the world, I don't need that. When the world is at their worst, the church Needs to respond with their best. When the world is responding with evil, the church needs to respond with good. When the world is responding with hostility with each other, you and I need to respond to everything with peace and long suffering and patience and not build additional walls. Jesus Christ came to get rid of those walls so that you and I could be representatives of him here on earth and do it in the correct manner. Now, how in the world does that work? How does that work? Turn over to chapter 4. It says this. Verse 2. With all humility... Gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit just as you are called into one hope that belong, that belong to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So, verse 2 says, with you and me, we have to be humble. Humble. How do you not create walls of hostility? You're humble. What in the world does that mean? Does humbleness mean that I become a rug for everybody to step on, wipe their feet on, and I never proclaim the truth? Absolutely not. You see, part of being humble, and I'm an expert. Okay, that that, yeah, that was true. Part of being humble is coming to the realization. You didn't create the rules, and you didn't create the judgments for the rules. For instance, someone commits adultery, and I say to that person, you've committed adultery, and that's a sin. That is not a rule that I have made. That is a rule that's in Scripture. It's right here. God, long before I was born, decided that that was a rule, and he decided a judgment for it. Now, we're not going to go back to the Old Testament where we stone people. That's not my point. My point is that God has already judged that particular sin. If I tell you that lying is a sin, it is not because somehow or another I thought that that was a good idea. I do think that's a good idea, and I do think committing adultery is a bad idea. Not lying is a good idea. Lying is not a good idea. Telling the truth is a good idea. The rule is a good idea. So lying right? He created that particular rule. It's not mine. And so when I said, you know, you just sinned there because you lied. It's not my judgment. God has already said that that is what that is. Is everybody tracking with me? Everybody with me? Now, let me show you a difference. If I tell my children that we need to turn off the lights when they leave the room, that is my rule. It is not in scripture. There's nowhere in here it says, all your children should turn off, the, turn off the lights in the house because that way you will save money on your power bill. A rule such as which door to come in and out of or, or a rule to say, hey, when you wake up in the morning, make your bed. If you, if you have that particular rule, if you have rules like that, those are all just my rules. They are not God's rules. So if you break my rules... Yeah, maybe you you get punished at this point. I don't know what you get, but it's just my rules. The rules in Scripture are not mine. I'm not attached to them. They're God's. I just proclaim them, and he takes care of the judgment. So when I proclaim something to someone that you have sinned in this particular area, it's not up to me to judge them. The judgment has already been made. The consequences are already in motion according to the will and the forethought of God. He is going to handle it. But my responsibility as a believer is to keep the wall of hostility down between me and that person and come alongside them as a believer, as a brother in Christ, as a person in Christ, and help them on their way. Are you tracking? That's 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 how you stay humble. You realize who's created the rules and who's in charge, and you keep that in mind. We are so quick to become self-righteous with other people. We've never done that sin, so we're better than them. We've never done that sin, so our lives are better, our families are better, blah, blah, blah. It's ridiculous. We were all sinners with hostility between us and God, all of us. So we approach it remembering that God is the one that created the rules, Check this out. With all humility, gentleness, and patience. Do you know that no walls of hostility has ever been built with gentleness? You can't be gentle and hostile at the same time. Now, you can be patient and hostile (laughs) at the same time. (laughs) I didn't realize until last service when I verbalized that. You can be patient and hostile at the same time, and some of us are really good at that, right? Patient and hostile. Hostile. But you can't be gentle and hostile at the same time. And you cannot be following Jesus and be patient and hostile at the same time. You can't do it. Patient to build walls, patient to wait for your moment, you can't can't do it. Patient means that you're patient with that person, bearing with one another in love. That's the key, bearing with one another in love. You're patient with love, you're gentle with love, you're humble with love. When you are doing things out of love and not spite, you're not building walls of hostility. You are actually aligning yourself with the purposes of Jesus, the purpose of Almighty God. You are walking in the path that he walked in 2,000 years ago, that he planned to walk in before the foundation of the world. You are walking with Jesus because you are trying to keep the walls of hostility down and you're doing it through love, patience, gentleness, humility, Bearing with one another in love. So this means that sometimes, sometimes to keep hostility down, you might in this life need to distance yourself from that particular person. You see, there's somewhere, like if you're oil and water to somebody that you always come into contact with and you've always tried to get along with them, but you really can't get along with them, that's oil and water you're not gonna be able to do anything about that. Maybe the thing to do is try to distance yourself from that person and have that person over here and get a far enough space to where you can live without hostility toward them. You see, you're not responsible for their heart. You're not. In a marriage, you're not responsible for your spouse's heart. You're not responsible for them. You're responsible for what you do, what you do. So you create a distance No, I know, I know, I know, I know what's thought at this point, at least by some. I don't know about everybody, but some. Well, we're all going to live in heaven. Well, Brian Myers in the first service says, yeah, and thank God heaven's a big place. (laughs) That's what he said. (laughs) Yeah. Here's the deal about heaven, though. When that person gets to heaven, their heart is going to be perfect. When I get to heaven, my heart is going to be perfect. So whatever has come between us that I have to distance myself in order to keep myself away from this them will be gone. Because whereas I might not be able to break down their wall of hostility and how they're hostile toward me in this life, Jesus Christ has killed hostility to the blood of his cross and the resurrection. When we get to heaven... It's not going to be there. So you can live right next to me on the corner of glory land, or you can live way across, because it's a big city, and we are just going to be fine. We're going to be fine, because he's on these walls. This verse says, verse 3, eager. That word for eager is food dadzo. Not really. Not really. It is DAD. I just wanted to do that for, because I'm a dad, and that's a dad joke. It's Father's Day, and I have a license, a license to kill you with jokes. Okay? So there you go. Actually, when I was learning Greek, I would come up with stuff in my brain, just in my mind, so I'd remember them. So this was Spudazzle. right? Spudazzle. right? Eager. Spudazzo, come here. Yeah. Doesn't that sound easy? I mean, eager, right? Spoodazzle. It's there. Spoodazzle. Awesome. Awesome word. It's eager. You see, you and I are very eager to get hostile because of our flesh. You can't tell me that isn't true. It's very easy for us to get hostile. It's very easy for us to get to where we're really upset. It's very easy for us to do all of that. We're very eager to build those walls. We're very eager to strike out. We're very eager to say things that hurt. But here, God, if we're in the church and we're doing his purpose, breaking down the walls of hostility, we have to be eager, eager to spadazu, to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, to bear with one another in love. Eager. Are you eager to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, to bear with one another in love? Because you're eager when you do that thing, those things to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We can talk all we want to about how we want peace in the world. But if you're not practicing eager to practice peace in your family, you really don't want peace in the world. We can talk all we want to about how we want Jesus to come back and create peace. But if you don't have peace in the family, are you really eager to have it? We can talk all we want to about how we want peace and how we want every justice to happen, but are we doing things to build the walls of hostility are we doing things to make sure those walls aren't built in our hearts toward people? Whether we have to distance or whether we have to work something out between us. You see the difference between that person I have to distance myself from and the one that you're married to is that you have to work out something. Right? You're stuck. Okay, you should be stuck. You're stuck. I chose mine 24 years ago, and she made that same choice. (laughs) 24 years ago, we're stuck. And I can't put distance between us. We have to work it out. We have to figure out how not to get so emotional and have those walls of hostility just not in the relationship. A healthy relationship doesn't have those walls. That's a healthy relationship. It's very difficult because you break one down, you build another. You break this one down, you build another. I'm a little bit better than that at building walls. I can break one down and have 20 come up. Oh, come on, you can too. You break this one down, 20 come up. It's like Hydra. You kill one, two. Yeah, thank you. That was a reference. Thank you. Thank you very much. So you work and you try... To blow up the walls, get rid of the walls, and make sure that those walls aren't there. And if you get hostile and you're eager to be hostile, you step away for a while. Not to, not, to, not to create distance forever, but you step away for a while to breathe and then come back into it when you've calmed down and you're not emotional enough to break, build those walls of hostility. When it comes to your children, that's a little bit different because you can, out of the house, create distance. But here's the thing with that. They're always going to be your children. Always going to be your children. And even if they're living at a different location, and they should, once they get old enough, they should live somewhere. Even if they live in a different location, you still have to figure out how to live in peace with them. It is okay to tell your son, your daughter, that what they are living in is sin. That is not a wall of hostility. That is truth. They might be hostile toward it. They might build a wall up towards you, but you're not building a wall when you stand for truth. You didn't create the rules. That is wrong. You should not be doing that according to scripture. And they come back at you and say, well, yeah, it's right. I've listened to this person, this professor, this people, my friends do it, blah, blah, blah. And they go down that path. Well, they know that you believe this. That's not hostile. You don't have to be hostile when you do it. You just have to proclaim it. They may not ever Agree with you. But here's the key. They're not disagreeing with you. They're disagreeing with the God that created them. You tracking? It's not you. That truth in your mind allows you not to be hostile toward your son or your daughter. They do not always do what is right. Because they are from your DNA. Right? From your DNA. So you wait. You're not hostile. You pray. You pray that God will work on their heart. That they will break down that wall of hostility and that they'll come home. And when they come home, you're the prodigal father. You welcome them home with open arms. They've repented, they come home. I'm sorry I did that. Great. Let's get on with life. Let's put that in the past. And go. I therefore a prisoner, verse one of chapter four, for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace that is what the church should be. You see, you and I are representatives of a greater system for humanity. In fact, I would argue that it's the best system of humanity, period. So one put in place by God to create something new, something different that isn't divisive, within its walls is unified under one banner, and that banner is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for